0: Raising the Bets is brought to you by The Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com/give. You're listening to Raising the Bets. We're a Catholic couple raising five kids outside of Boston. Join us as we share the joys and challenges of marriage, homeschool, and our adventures near and far as we make sense of the world and experience the best parts of our culture. <laughs> I'm Don Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. Welcome to Morning
1: Zoo. <laughs> Sorry. That is like the most over-the-top reading of Sorry.
0: the intro that I've ever heard. Trying to get inject some energy into this podcast right now. Woof! So I was doing my best morning zoo voice. I don't even know what morning zoo is. You know, like morning radio shows, like morning oh. drive time radio shows uh, where they, they're wacky and wild and they have all kinds of weird, off the wall things going on. And there's a I've DJ never, who talks like this. I've never heard that called morning zoo. Yeah, it's 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 I mean, it's kind of a thing. I I mean, is that never, a Boston thing? No, I was gonna say it's not a thing they ever called it here in, in the Boston area, but they it's a phrase I've heard applied to morning radio in general, like around the country. Okay. Like the morning, wacky personality driven radio where it's, it's not about music per se. It's about the personalities.
1: That's the, that's the stuff I avoid. Like the plague.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Same I mean, I used to enjoy it. Okay. A little, little walk down memory lane in Boston radio. Uh, there was kiss one hundred and eight with Maddie in the morning. Uh, there was also, uh, Charles Aquadera on WBCN. That was when I was in high school. Uh, That was the morning um, radio that I listened to, Um, but yeah, you know, just memory lane. Memory lane. The
1: last thing I want, first thing in the morning, is like somebody yelling at me.
0: Good lord, get up and get going. So on the way to work, you're late. You know, actually, a good example is the the radio thing on um, Groundhog Day.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. You know, I got you, babe. And then those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, So could you imagine waking up to that that every single day? Every single day. Well, a lot of people do. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: you know, Bill Murray's response to that was eventually to like, you know, try to off himself multiple times. Well, but
0: but then he got beyond that to seeking holiness and good good for its own sake. Yeah, not so much but, holiness, but good for its own sake.
1: But I, but I do understand the impulse to like throw yourself in front of a moving vehicle. <laughs>
0: <up>. <laughs> After a while, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, all that said, uh, we, we were—I would say—I was making dinner the other night, and as as I like to do, I like to play music while I was making dinner. And, yes, you do. Uh, I've been obviously playing the '80s playlist a lot. Actually, I don't think that was the '80s playlist. It was just my general, the general random stuff from the music from the um, music library the our our itunes or apple music library and queens we will rock you came up and that right that came up gave us the story like we had to tell the story of how uh when bella was born her first night in the hospital first in the salem hospital and they had this so you know we were brand new at all this it was it was uh and uh it was a very late night, a very late night. you would had just had your c section I, I was exhausted, and Bella would not sleep. yes, she would not sleep. You were having trouble getting her to latch on. there was a all that, and so they had this chair that for the dad to sleep on it was this it was like a rocking chair that. Sort of unfolded. No, no. They had a, a chair that unfolded. They also had a rocking chair. They were two you're, you're, you're
1: you're, you're conflating, conflating two different chairs. Okay.
0: So sitting the, the the chair that unfolded was a whole nother story. Yes. The, so the I was sitting in the rocking chair, and I've got Bella, and I'm holding her as I'm rocking, and just quietly. It was it's, a very squeaky rocking very chair. Very squeaky, and it was and it was squeaking like this. <laughs> e e e e e e e e e. Eee. And it was very quiet in the room, except for the squeak. And then suddenly I just quietly started going, we will, we will rock you. Eee. Eee.
1: It, eee. it was eerily like he, he, he hit on the fact like that, that was exactly, that was exactly the sound the- that the chair was making. Now, <laughs> i have just recovered I'm recovering from a major abdominal surgery, but it's late at night and I'm punch drunk, and so I started laughing and then like, trying not to laugh, <laughs> desperately trying not to laugh. <laughs> and,
0: and, yeah, we're both exhausted, oh, we're so tired. So it was so funny. It I mean, just one <laughs> other song too. We will rock you. I'm like rocking her in the chair. E, 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 e. Oh man! So every time I hear that song now, it is it, that comes to mind. And Bella had never heard that song, or she didn't remember hearing she didn't that remember
1: story. Remember the story. And then she's like, "Well, Sophie got Amazing Grace and 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 I got We Will Rock You."
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, when when Sophie was a baby, she got sung Amazing Grace as her uh sooth- what was the, the you know, soothing song, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. What did the other kids So, you, well, so what did you sing? You sing, we sing Amazing Grace and then um there's another Marion hymn.
1: No, I I sang amazing grace and I sang amazing grace and I sang amazing grace. <laughs> um I I would sometimes make up like I would sing the the uh, litany of saints to the tune of Frere Jacca.
0: Okay. Um yeah.
1: and oh, then, and then there was the butterfly song. I made up the made butterfly up.
0: song for for Bella for when she was taking her baths, you know. Uh fly away butterfly fly away, come back tomorrow. And
1: that became sort of my song that I sang to her and Sophie yeah. too at bedtime,
0: which I kind of based off a song from the movie once but but this the tune diverged from the from that so we had just watched once when i when that came up anyway so hey musical lullabies so uh let's so that was a funny story so let's talk about a little bit what was it no so let's talk about what was going on this week (laughs) and timing comedy is everything uh so uh on saturday we had a big scout event the scout o, o. i <laughs> think doctor What was um not dr strange uh oh, mike myers austin powers austin powers dr evil dr evil that's a no <laughs> so we went to the scout o, uh which is an orienteering event put on by the new england orienteering club which it's a thing <laughs> like what do they do they, they just walk on the woods and orient themselves Right. Well, I, I guess I, I, there's a there's orienteering competitions, which let me tell you, that must be some that's on like an ESPN, the Ocho. I mean, that's like a that's a sport.
1: It, I wonder if it's kind of like geocaching, like do they hide things and you have to go find them?
0: Um, That would be fun if it were like beer at the end of it, that would make it a fun competition or money, you know, like hiding money. Whoever can navigate to the location. In any case, the scouts
1: didn't have anything. Scouts like that.
0: had no beer at the end. They <laughs> no just beard.
1: had compasses and directions, and,
0: and and all of our kids were involved. So the the boys' troop went off and did theirs. The girls' troop they did theirs, and Lucy's Weebolo's den was along as well, and they went and did some orienteering as well. And they were the fastest. They did their route in thirty minutes. The uh, older girls they did theirs in like an hour. I I asked and they didn't remember. Of course I didn't. And then the older boys got lost. They were wandering in the woods. Uh, they eventually found their way back. Um, now, ben, ben and Anthony said they both knew. They knew where they, where they were going. Which right. way to go. But the the, the, leaders the senior were patrol leader and his assistant.
1: Were not listening to the boys who yeah. knew where they had gone wrong. And yeah. so
0: if they'd listened to our boys, well, they wouldn't have gone lost. And also uh, the, the boys patrol leader, Davi, he, yeah. he also knew. Um, and I, I told them, this is a lesson in leadership leadership isn't just being in charge. Leadership is understanding the resources you have, including the knowledge of the people that you're leading and using it appropriately, not just giving orders. Leadership isn't just giving orders. Leadership is understanding, knowing what resources you have. Uh, So that was at least a good lesson in in leadership for them. Uh, So that was all morning. So we, we, we had to get up, um, out of the house by seven thirty, which meant we left the house at seven forty five. Um you'll never guess who was the last person out of the house into the car. <laughs> Bella. And uh so we uh that was the, and it's about a forty five minute drive. So we were there around eight thirty. We were, we had to be there early enough because the parking lot at this scout reservation is really small. It's like compare you've been to Squanto, right? Once. Yeah. And they have this huge field for parking for like their right. events. they have this like this little parking lot, like you like you, you're pulling off to go hiking in the woods. You know, like the little lot, yeah, yeah,
1: like a little trailhead. Yeah, it was like
0: <laughs> there's not nearly enough parking, and it's it's like the largest uh, scout reservation in New England or something like that. It's like huge. It's like why do you not have more parking? <laughs> anyway, so you had to get there really early in order to get a spot. So I. I have a feeling that some of the other scholars, they had thought I was going to be like tagging along, but my intention was to let them go and do their thing. And I was going to stay with the fan and hang out and read my book and sit in my chair in the sun and relax. That was my my plan for the morning. There was a possibility that they would go back out again after lunch. But I had a feeling that our kids, at least some of our kids would be done.
1: Lucy said she was bitterly disappointed that she, she only got to do one run and that everybody wanted to leave because she really was really invested in
0: going out again. She she was having fun and I felt bad. But the the problem is, so they they the, she was done early. Right. So they were right. hanging around and but the boys got back late. And so they didn't get back till like twelve thirty one, which meant and then they had to have lunch, which meant if they w- went back out again, if with the with their troop, it would be like. If they didn't get lost, two thirty <laughs> three, we wouldn't get home till four, four thirty. And, and if they got lost, it could be even later, even later. And I was making dinner. So I was like, nope, I'm sorry. And and everyone else was like, yeah, we want to kind of want to go. So that's what we did. And so we, we came home. Um, you got a rare morning all to yourself. Yep.
1: Um, What'd you do? Well, my sister actually called before I got out of bed. And so we had a nice long video chat. Um, She was going to go play D&D with some friends. And so I chatted with her while she got ready for her day. And then once she took off for her D&D game, I went to Whole Foods and got some pastries because I had a desire for fancy pastries. And there aren't really any pastry shops anywhere nearby. Whole Foods was the closest place I could think of to get like, like a decent...
0: Yeah, I can't think of a... There's got to be something. This bears investigating. Well, what about um, uh, Montellos? Montilios? They don't really have... I mean, they have more like cakes and cookies and stuff, but... The one in like, Braintree? Uh, I mean, the one in Brockton is more cakes and stuff, but... I've, I've never been to the one in Braintree. Anyway, okay. I,
1: I couldn't think of... I, I like really wanted something more like a... Like Danish turnover croissant sorts of things. Bear claw. Um, But, you know, but like the nicer ones that you can get at the grocery store. Sure. Anyway, I also, while I was at Whole Foods, picked up some sushi and some Mm -hmm. other things that had been on my, my list of things that they carry and other places don't.
0: Yes, you got hatched chilies. Lucy was reading the the what? labels as she as she emptied the hatched bag. Hatched chilies. Yeah, well, she called them hatched chilies. Hatched. And mole negro or mole negro. <laughs> like Lucy, mole negro. Don't say it the other way. Yeah. So, yeah, she uh she was reading the labels. She so she was also uh when we saw the whole food's bag when we came in? Uh, it was like, oh, I wonder if mom got sushi. She's like, no, she wouldn't do that without us. I'm like <laughs> Sure, I'd do it without you guys. <laughs> she wouldn't do that without us. Yes, I would. We, don't you know our lives revolve around making sure that they have everything, their little heart desires and that we shouldn't have anything that they don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so, uh, yes, that's for It sounds like it was very nice for you. It
1: was it was quiet. It could have been longer. Like if you'd been gone the whole day, I wouldn't have been sad
0: yeah i know that
1: <laughs> it's okay so, i i i appreciated the the quiet
0: the quiet morning yeah. yeah i mean we got as it is we got back around 2 two thirty. i mean it was most most of the day into the early afternoon so on the way home we stopped at the vietnamese uh grocery in the next town over and i needed to get a few more ingredients for dinner which i'll talk about in a few minutes but um but yeah that was good um Anything else? I'm trying to think of what else was has been going on. Uh, not much. I mean, otherwise, it's been it's been a quiet week, been a quiet week here on uh, Lake Wobegon. And although busy week coming up, we're going to have by the, you know by the time you're listening to this, it's already happened. But we're going to have Halloween, and the kids will be able to go trick or treating. Last year, they couldn't trick or treat, as I mentioned before, because we were. In, out of our house in a strange neighborhood uh, but they all got sick i forgot they had all sick. We, They would
1: have tried to go trick-or-treating if yeah. they hadn't been sick they hadn't but, been
0: sick and then we also had that big storm which had interrupted our search for costumes and that sort of thing but yeah it was mostly them being sick yeah yeah so that I was wasn't,
1: that. i wasn't going to go let them out infecting <laughs> <Go> strangers
0: <fit. laughs> there's been an outbreak in plymouth uh and then the other thing two years ago on today on the 30th October 30th we got 4 inches of snow do you remember that right i, I was just looking at my facebook memories i
1: remember saying i remember saying that the the world had decided to to go as christmas for halloween <laughs> that's
0: right i remember that now <laughs> man yeah this has been a, a beautiful uh, we've had a, quite a bit of rain but yeah. we've had a lot of beautiful days this this uh, fall knock on wood so um All right, so that's what's been going on. Let's talk about what we've been eating. So I had to get some ingredients because I was going to make this pho-ga-dish. So pho, you may know, is a Vietnamese soup. A lot of
1: people say pho, and it's okay if you say it like
0: that, really. I'm sorry. You must be authentic, like me, and say things like Beijing, Beijing, or, uh, or Qatar instead of Qatar for the country. I always laugh at news anchors who the need to say everything uh, pronounce everything correctly okay so pho uh, pho is you may know it as a beef noodle dish um, there is a chicken version called pho ga, ga vietnamese for chicken um, so it's basically vietnamese chicken noodle soup and uh, it was another one another one of these cooks illustrated recipes and really almost everything on the ingredient list, you could get at a regular grocery store. It's not. I mean, it's a, a, a decent one anyway. Right. Um, it has so. It, it starts with the whole chicken, uh, onion, a big piece of ginger, s- salt, sugar, coriander seed, cinnamon stick, star anise. That's that's a little the star specialty. Anise,
1: the star anise you might have a hard time finding. Yeah,
0: I get. I buy my spices online from uh, from thespicehouse the dot com. So. Um, so I, I got some from there uh whole cloves fish sauce uh then and so and that's for making the broth because it with pho, pho you you um the broth is a making the broth is a big element of it and you usually that it separate it's a big separate step then for the pho itself you need uh rice noodles and that's what i was picking up at the one of the things i was picking up at the vietnamese grocery store um then more onions sliced in some scallion bean sprouts i picked up at the at the store but you can get bean sprouts at the regular grocery store sometimes yeah. you know i didn't get uh you add to the the thing was cilantro we could have had cilantro on it we could That'd have been, been good uh and thai basil i wanted thai basil and then you can also have you know lime wedges you could have uh sliced chili peppers poison sauce sriracha that sort of thing so uh the way you make it is you take the whole chicken and you quarter it So you break it down into breasts and thighs and wings. Okay. And then you put them in a big pot with water and you bring it to, uh, along with the onion, one whole onion halved uh, ginger, salt, sugar, bring it to a boil and then simmer it. And you gotta, you gotta clean off all the scum that comes to the surface, which I did pretty good. It was a pretty clear broth. I was very proud of that. Um, and then you cook it until the breasts are done at 160 to 165. You take those out and then you continue to cook it. Um, add you add the coriander seeds, the cinnamon stick, the star anise, and the cloves, and you simmer it for an hour. OK, and then you take the, the leg quarters out and um, strain it through a fine mesh strainer, which I'm glad I did because that you could tell in the cheesecloth. It was there was a guy caught a lot of more of the scummy stuff. So it was a nice, clean broth um so now you have this beautiful chickeny uh spiced broth which is beautiful and then you take um and then you add the fish sauce to it at that point put it on the stove and now that's ready the broth is basically ready shred the chicken you you cook the noodles which i i have to figure out how to cook rice noodles because they always when i make them they always come out a gummy mess they're not do you rinse them rinse them what? after cooking uh didn't say to
1: yes it does
0: place the noodles on a bowl a large bowl let's sit and for 20 minutes a large bowl of water let's sit then bring two quarts of water to boil it, and then bring two quarts to water to boil in large pot. drain noodles return broth to boil add the noodles to the boiling water okay cook for 30 to 60 seconds drain immediately and divide among the serving bowls there's well, no
1: oh so yeah if you're if you're going to put them directly into the bowls then and you pour don't need over then them. you don't need to rinse them but if you're going to like let them sit in a bowl you need to rinse them under water <sighs> after you take them out to get rid of some of the extra
0: starch yeah otherwise they're going to be too starchy that must be what it is so it also took forever to cook they didn't take 30 60 seconds i uh, the, the rice noodles there was like two aisles of rice noodles of every varying thickness i got ones that were slightly thicker that kind of reminded me of what i would get at the vietnamese restaurant but i might have might have got away with did did you go
1: with the were you following the instructions on the noodle package or in
0: the recipe in the recipe yeah always follow the instructions on the noodle package that would be good advice if the noodle package's instructions were not in vietnamese Mm.
1: <laughs> that's the that's the pitfall of buying your noodles yeah. at the Vietnamese I,
0: or, or I could have looked for a different package of rice noodles that had English instructions which I will do in the future yeah um but anyway in any case that was that was a minor inconvenience it was it, it was, made a it was ton good. it made a ton like 12 qu- like not 12 is it tw- how big is that pot the big blue dutch know. oven is it 12 quarts I don't think so eight quarts I mean, I think it's like nine eight or nine quarts it's really big it was like, you should have leftover broth with with this. They the kids and us ate all of it. There was no leftover. It was there was like there was like a, a half a half a quart, like two cups of broth leftover. Oh, I also added vegetables. I added shiitake mushrooms and carrot and celery and, and bell pepper, which isn't traditional and wasn't in the recipe. But I wanted to add some more. Well, vegetable, do to it to, to maybe get to kiss to maybe eat some of that. They ate some of it, but not much. um But it was so good. They all this was a one hundred percent meal. They all raved about it, uh and I was pretty happy. Ben Ben wasn't thrilled. He was he he ate a whole bowl. He ate he did eat a whole. Bowl. In fact, I think he even had seconds. He didn't like the vegetables in it. Maybe that was he did like the vegetables, it. but he yeah. liked the broth. He really he really liked that that in the, the chicken. Um, and again, it's another one of those soups where you, ha- where everyone adds things to it, you know, that, again, that, that rule holds up Kid, our kids anyway, like meals where they have to build them themselves. You know, they have lots of little bowls to add things from into their bowl. So it did have a lot of leftover chicken. So I got an eight pound chicken. The recipe calls for a four pound chicken, but of course I doubled everything, um, for our recipe. So I had an eight pound chicken and there was a, about a pound of chicken left over from from it so that was pretty good and so what i ended up doing with that was to and i also had a bunch of basil thai basil left over
1: it's probably because i like i didn't really put a lot of chicken in my soup i didn't want a
0: lot of well the recipe just says that you'll have extra chicken like it it has you use a lot more chicken just to make the broth more chickeny you know, if you right. if you cooked less chicken in it, then it wouldn't be as flavorful. So they say you save the re- you know the rest of the chicken for another recipe. So I made Thai basil chicken for dinner tonight. Um, I did add another chicken breast because there was only about a pound of chicken left over. So I added some more chicken to bulk it up and to make it enough for a meal for us. The interesting thing is, is the recipe that I use called for like chopping into little cubes, the chicken. And this was shredded. But the shredded was a little too shredded for this. I, I it would have been better in something like like a, a like chicken a, tor- salad like a
1: tortilla soup, maybe? tortilla
0: soup, or or chicken tacos or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's got kind of Vietnamese flavors, so you'd, it'd be like a fusion <laughs> taco <laughs> or something, which actually may not be a bad idea. But um, yeah, but I wanted to use the Thai basil. Yeah, I, I just it would be a shame to let that go bad. It's it's so good. I love the smell and the the taste of it.
1: The texture of the chicken was kind of wrong for the Thai basil.
0: I could have saved the chicken and just used the Thai basil with chicken from the freezer. And yeah, yeah, I could have done that. So a lesson learned. Um, So, but it was still pretty good. Uh,
1: The flavors were good. The flavors were good. The the shredded chicken texture was kind of wrong. It
0: was a little off-putting. Yeah. So, uh, but I like, this was probably one of the most successful new recipes we've had in a long time. So I'm really pleased with that and it, and it was just, it was, I guess it was really good and it looked good. It was very pretty. So I was mm-hmm. really, really happy with it. All right. So, um, can we move on to talk about we, the things we've been reading? Sure. Uh, why don't you tell, uh, tell us about the book you finished? What did I finish? The Grief of Stones. <laughs> you
1: literally just told
0: me to I put know, it on the list I, like five minutes ago. I,
1: I had to look it up in my Kindle <laughs> app in order to remember to tell you. And then like as soon as I looked it up, I forgot it again. Okay. The Grief of Stones. Okay. Uh The Grief of Stones is the second sequel to uh, the Goblin Emperor, which I really loved. I loved The Goblin Emperor. It was one of my favorite books of last year or the year before. Um, so, The Grief of Stones, like the one that came before it, whose name I cannot remember at this off the top of my head. Um, there's it's almost like a spinoff. Like The Goblin Emperor is sort of Byzantine political high fantasy, whereas so in the two sequels she took a minor character who is sort of a priest detective and he like then these these two novels are like detective mystery novels but in a fantasy setting. So
0: the other book is called The Witness for the Dead.
1: Witness for the Dead, right. So in the world of the Goblin Emperor, you have these it's it's got this sort of a priestly class, there's lots of different gods, but the, there's a priestly class who act as the, the witness for the dead um, is like kind of like an advocate. Like if there's a question about the death, then they they sort of investigate and then they give an official like witness, like telling about the person's life and the circumstances of their death. And it's more, it feels like more than just like a private investigator because they're an official government functionary and they have like this very ceremonial role in the society and this, their their whole culture has this like roles of witnesses for different things. And the witnesses sort of, as a cleric has a kind of, in terms of they almost feel like they're, they're sort of witnessing on behalf of, the person but in front of the gods or something i don't know it's mm-hmm. it's hard to explain um but the witnesses for the dead have a special sort of magical gift where they can touch the dead person and read their memories yep so people come to him he, so he's he's got this official role and people come to him and sometimes it's simple like in the story there's this bakery and the person who had their special scone recipe died and They don't know where the recipe is, and the person had always promised to pass it on at some point, but it was a secret recipe, and so he died without passing it on. So they go to the witness for the dead, and they say, can you please help us find the scone recipe? So he goes, and he touches the dead body, and he's like, okay, I'm not exactly sure how helpful this will be, but I'm getting an image of nutmeg. And they're like, we tried putting nutmeg in the recipe. It wasn't right. And he's like, no, where do you keep the nutmegs? And they opened up the box and it has a false bottom. And so the recipe was under, was in the nutmeg box.
0: Ask him what the Netflix password is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he says,
1: some of it is like, some of his job is these like little routine, like we need information from the dead person. Like where did they leave the will? <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. Um, and then sometimes it's, how did you die? Like who killed you? Were you murdered? that those sorts of questions that would make
0: murder a difficult proposition because you can't really silence the, the, uh, the victim.
1: Well, but the thing is that he's only going to like, he doesn't do this every single dead person. So like, he only does it if there's a question about whether or not they died by foul circumstances, If
0: you get a big knife sticking out of your chest, you might've been
1: murdered, right? It does. So it does mean that like the murdered person would have like the person, the murderer would have to not be seen by the person who they're trying to kill. And or try to like kill them with no trace. Hmm. I mean, in this in the story, there is a person who was pushed off a bridge, and it was dark, and she didn't see the person who pushed her, and so like his reading her memories doesn't really help, right? Or the person who who was poisoned, and um,
0: they just they don't know who put the what in the drink or whatever,
1: right? But but there they did an autopsy and her intestines smelled like whatever the poison was, so they were able to to tell that she had been poisoned. Ew. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's, it's it's a basically the 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 format is it's a procedure, it's a police procedural. Okay. Um, but but with magic, and so so the the main character is an elf, and in the world of the Goblin Emperor, you have elves and goblins, and. There is a country where the goblins are like in ascendancy, mm-hmm. but in the country where you are, the elves are the ruling class and the goblins are sort of the underclass. Right. Um, and there's a lot of prejudice against goblins, right? Um, although they're, they're 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 sort of secondary second class citizens, but they they're not like actively oppressed. I mean, they're sort of kind of oppressed.
0: So. The, the, the blurb on Amazon says a vividly imagined fantasy of court intrigue and dark magics in a steampunk inflected world.
1: Yeah, it is kind of steampunky in that you have like airships.
0: Oh, <laughs> if you have airships, it's steampunk,
1: Period. right? That's how you dis- exactly uh, airships and like you know, there, there's some technology.
0: There, is there steam powered me- me- mechanisms?
1: There, there are like yeah. I mean, the magic is more of the sort of like reading people's minds. Reading the Dead People's Minds variety. Uh-huh. There's not a whole lot of like magic going on. And in The Goblin Emperor, there's like this elaborate clockwork bridge. And if you've got clockwork, clockwork and airships. Clockwork ships. and airships. Oh, yeah. Now, it's, we're, now we're talking. It's steampunk. We're now in steampunk land. Right. So gotcha. it's, it's elven steampunk. <laughs> elven steampunk. They're yeah. Banned. Right. It's, <laughs> anyway, I my, my initial reaction to Witness for the Dead was. I loved The Goblin Emperor, and this is an okay book. It's a good book. It's just, it doesn't have the magic that The Goblin Emperor had. But it's good. It's like, they, they stand on their own. Yeah. It's just, it's almost a different genre, because it's, it's a, it's a
0: detective. detective. It's a detective
1: novel. novel. It's a detective novel set in the same world.
0: Interesting. There's apparently a third one coming. The Tomb of Dragons. Ooh, that'll be good. Yeah. Um. Cool. So, yeah, and then I'm,
1: I'm reading more John Le Carré. I just got a new one.
0: Speaking of spy novels. Speaking of spy I novels. I finished another novel. Woo-hoo. Uh, this is the 12th book in the Mitch Rapp series. Um, it's another one of those um, Mitch Rapp. If you saw the movie American Assassin starring. He um, was the first Batman movie. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton.
1: Michael Keaton, Michael that's Keaton. what I meant. Okay.
0: So, Michael Keaton was not that. So, American Assassin was sort of the origin story, based on the origin story of Mitch Rapp. So, Mitch Rapp is uh, America's number one assassin who hunts down bad guys and terrorists. And
1: stuff. Okay.
0: Uh, and works for the CIA. Well, in this 12th novel, he's gotten himself into a point where there's a new president and the first lady in the White House who are bad people in the sense of they are they're not there because they believe in America that, that you know they're, they're there for the power and they and he's a demagogue he's really is able to whip up his people his minions and um, his plan is to clearly for him to serve two terms then his wife will serve two terms and by the end of the 16 years they have this plan to basically under, undermine American democracy and take permanent power
1: um, okay, so they want to create a, a they political to, dynasty.
0: Yes, they're they're going to create an autocracy by by the dint of ginning up their demagoguery and you know people's acclaim. People will demand that they be uh, remain in power. So, and they're a real threat. So, standing in the way is Mitch and the people around him, including the, C, the director of the CIA and this sort of thing, and. The richest man in the world, who is the world's first trillionaire, who Mitch has happened to have recently saved his life from uh, an attempt on his life that it was orchestrated by the president of the United States, he sees him as a rival. So it's a very convoluted thing. Mitch has a family now that he's taken care of, and and how does he get like how how do you go to war with the president of the United States without a killing uh his the people who work for him who are your friends and or, and or just good loyal americans who are doing it jo- doing their job
1: the people the secret service secret Service
0: right. and military and other people like that right yeah um so how do you you know and and go to war with him without destabilizing the american government and america and the world uh so it was interesting from that point of view like how does he get out of this situation and Um, there's several and meanwhile they keep sending assassins after him and how does he get out of it and uh, so it was a pretty good book the first third was a little bit some of these sometimes these stories it feels like the author is like how bad of a hole can i dig how deep in the hole can i get this character
1: Uh uh-huh
0: and and then watch him get out of it and it's the digging the hole that sometimes gets me i just uh it just seems so hopeless and like a slog down, down, down. I'm like, can we get to the turning point where things start to get better and better and better? Because <laughs> right. I just don't like that down, down, down part to go on too long. So that, But it's pretty good. I mean, it's 12 novels in. So the, the, the author, the original author is Vince Flynn. He's died, which is kind of interesting because it's like the um, Tom Clancy.
1: Right, Tom Clancy. Who
0: also died and his series is being continued by another author, and this is the same way. I don't know how much longer this can go. I mean, the first... When when this first started, Mitch... The the, the backstory for Mitch Rapp is that his girlfriend died in the Pan Am uh, Lockerbie bombing in 1983 when uh-huh. he was in college. Like, if, if this... Like, they've quietly ignored that by this point because, at this point, Mitch would be in his 60s. Right. <laughs> he would not be super assassin. He'd be... I'm getting fitted for a walker not uh, no. literally, but he would not be an American assassin you know at the peak of his you know or or just past the peak of his uh vitality um he'd be you know heading up the pasture, so they've quietly ignored that in order to keep the series going
1: right right the the' we're up ignoring the timeline wave hands pretend like it doesn't exist
0: right it's it, kind of like they do with james bond you know I mean, right there's
1: no there's no way james bond is he's like eternal immortal <laughs>
0: james, james bond is like 110 years old right now he's islander if, if you were yes so well sean Connery, exactly the spaniard so <laughs> um with the scottish accent so uh back to mace rap i don't know how much longer these the books can continue to go on and still be interesting and that sort of thing and still be interesting. Like
1: they could keep going and going and going like the energizer bunny.
0: Yes. There was a series I read when I was younger about this um, Marine whose family is murdered by the mafia and he's like a top Marine sniper and he comes back on bereavement leave and then goes on a one man uh, vengeance spree against the mob in America. Just hunting down every mobster he can find in America, uh, the Executioner series, but they went on for years and years and years with that, and they just they got to the point where they were they were, it became a, a book of the month thing, where they would pump out a book every month. It was a like it was a factory operation. It was Pulp Fiction, like uh-huh. it was yeah. Um, it just got ridiculous. Like just I I, I lapped him up because I love this sort of story, but you know i got i i i outgrew it at one point, but anyway, so that's oath of loyalty by, uh, by Kyle Mills is the uh, author now so things we've watched I finally got around to watching Top Gun maverick, and let me tell you it was everything everyone said it would be i everyone i i talked to said it was really good oh it's a really good movie, and the funny thing is it's not a complicated movie um there's not a lot of uh it focuses on Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, um, Pete Mitchell. That's right, his, his character's name. Um, doesn't really focus a lot on the background, char- uh, the secondary characters. It mirrors the first movie. It doesn't, doesn't copy it, but it sort of mirrors it. There's a big mission that, that takes up the final set piece. There's a love interest that he's trying to you know, work with. It's competition. But in this one, it's about him being put out to pasture in his career 40 year career of being a maverick bucking the system has caught up to him and he's you know there's a lot of people out to get him really nice moment was val kilmer in it as admiral iceman Mm Kazansky. um val kilmer in real life was dying of throat cancer when they made this and so they they actually built that into the character where he was the character who had throat cancer was you know near the end of his time in service. And so he he was, and they had be, become in state friends. And he had really been one protecting Maverick all this time. Um, Val Kilmer died soon after. He actually died this past year.
1: Oh, wow. I cancer. didn't, I don't think I realized
0: he died. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it stars, in addition to Tom Cruise, it stars um, the actor who was in the offer young actor uh i should always have this stuff up before right I why don't you on.
1: do this before you i don't
0: know i brought i always bring up the um the, the mass readings to have those ready but uh-huh. I, miles teller uh he plays remember goose he was the uh mavericks guy in the back seat who dies in the original top gun spoilers for a 40 year old movie I,
1: you know i saw it once okay. so, I, I don't like so Goose
0: dies, you know, and Goose was a family man, had a wife and a kid. Well this Miles Teller plays Goose's son. He's now a pilot, Navy pilot, who resents Maverick. Father's death. Right. But the flying is awesome. The like the flying sequences and they they said we're doing real flying sequences just like we did in the original. We're in planes, in the air, F eighteens, we're doing that. We're not doing CG and, you know, projecting it around them on a screen and right. pretending. No, no, it's all real flying. So, it, it's just, the flying is awesome. It's really great. I mean, it's, some of it is, is you know, ridiculous in the real world physics wouldn't allow it. Um, you know, there are issues with verisimilitude. Okay. Nevertheless, it's a huge amount of fun. There's even a, a cameo at the end of... They're going up against, they have to bomb a nuclear uh, enrichment facility in an unnamed country that also has um, old F-14 Tomcats, which the there's only one country in the world that had F-14 Tomcats apart from the U.S. Navy. Uh, that was Iran. So basically it's Iran that they're going right. up against. Uh, and so at one point he, he and Rooster, that's Goose's son, have crashed in after the mission, so
1: they're really committed to the the bird nomenclature.
0: Apparently, with these characters, I, I'm kind of spoiling it a little bit. But um, there's an F-14 that shows up at at one point, which is like, yes, it was a, it was a great moment. Um, so it was a good movie. It was I I really enjoyed it. But the, but even more than the movie, it actually impacted me emotionally because it takes me back to a very important time in my life. Because the Top Gun took me took came out in 1986 which was the year that I went to Navy ROTC to, at the time I was going to become a Naval aviator. I I didn't go into it because of Top Gun. I actually had started the process before Top Gun came out. But Top Gun came out that summer as I was going into college and ROTC. So everyone, all of my classmates who were there were all like super pumped. This was big. And so it kind of brought me back to that. Like hearing them, they play the theme music. Dun dun dun, 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 dun 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 you know, the, all that. It's all in there. I mean, it was really, I don't know, it really hit me on a, on another level. So it was good. Okay. So we watched a movie together. We did. On Apple TV Plus called Ray and Raymond. It was fun. It was a fun movie. So stars Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke. They were great, a great casting great team yeah
1: they they were great
0: in fact i think everybody who was in it did pretty great like all the all the whole cast was pretty
1: oh yeah it was good
0: and they play two half brothers whose abusive father that they haven't been in contact with for years has died and they're both named raymond but uh, uh ewan mcgregor's character they call him raymond and Ethan Hawke's character, they call him Ray to distinguish. Right. They have the same father, but different mothers.
1: And evidently, the the two mothers had become good friends after divorcing bo- both both. I think actually, one was well, married one to was him the mistress, and one was yeah yeah one
0: was the wife.
1: But but they became friends after having survived this this horrible toxic man. Mm-hmm. Um, and their fr- their sons were best friends growing up. Right. But had drifted apart partly because they each reminded the other of their dad, I think yes. was the implication.
0: And it was very interesting because they, so they go to the funeral. The dad had left, you know, some things to each of them had also left instructions, uh, for that, you know, his last wishes, which the most significant of which is that they personally dig his grave. Th- this was, I thought
1: kind of a brilliant plot device. Yes. In that it means that the two of them, they don't just show up and then leave. Right. They show up and then they have to wait around until it's time to go to the graveyard, the cemetery. They have to dig the grave and it takes a long
0: time. Dig a six foot grave takes a while.
1: Right. And so, and then they have when to the fill tunnel, it. In, yeah. Right. And then they have to fill it in, too. Right. um, And so there's this like sort of moment where like all the characters, like the second... Almost half of the movie, it feels like.
0: Yeah. Half the movie takes place at the cemetery.
1: Right. Takes place at the cemetery with everyone just sort of gathered there while they're digging the grave. And there's other brothers show up who you didn't (laughs) who you didn't expect from Florida. Jewish. They didn't even know. Right. Brothers who they didn't even know existed. Who
0: they didn't really know their father either. He their mother only knew him for about a week. I mean, this guy was a real cat. He was a womanizer. He was abusive. He was emotionally abusive, physically abusive. But the interesting thing is, is everyone that they encounter uh, at, at at preparing for the funeral and going through the funeral are all they all have all these nice things. The people, to the people who knew their dad right in his later years, the lawyer, the the the, the pastor of the, this church,
1: right, the undertaker, the under the know, nurse, the
0: that cared for him because he the, died of cancer. And then Um, the woman, the younger woman who turns out was his lover and the mother of yet another son uh, as well.
1: Right. And so there's all these people who who are like they have fond memories of him. And now here's these two sons who who they They none of them have ever. They hated him. And so they have to kind of reconcile their own experiences with like all of these people who are giving them these other kinds of reports. And they're like, did we know him at all?
0: And that's one of the things I thought was interesting about the movie is it kind of explores this idea of do we really know our parents? Do we know them? Like, we know our experience of our own parents. Do our kids know us, really? But, you know, we think we know them. We're the center of their world, and they are this looming presence in our life. But they have a life beyond us, especially once we leave, you know, and before we showed up. And also there
1: was a lot in it that suggests, you know, people can – People change. People can change. And people can be more complex than we th- we think they are. I-, I liked it because it was very character-driven, and it allowed for the characters to grow and change. There,
0: there, right. There was also a lot of dark comedy in it as
1: well. I mean, this is a dark movie, and... I mean, it's about it, death, so... Right. Yeah. And there were some... There were some heavy moments. There were some heavy moments... There's also some language and some some.
0: It wasn't nudity, but there was suggestion of uh, extramarital activity.
1: Yeah, so not a not a kids movie, but it was good. I liked it.
0: Yeah, it was, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, as, and having just lost my father a month ago, I was I was a
1: little bit concerned. Like about halfway through, I just sort of kind of hit me, and I'm like, "Is this really the, the
0: movie to watch?" Like, actually, I found it interesting. I mean, my dad was not abusive, but no, uh, by any means. Um, but my parents were divorced and I was, you know, he was kind of out of my life for a long time. And it kind of brings home like that reality that my dad had this life outside of my experience of him. He had, you know, and you know, you, you see, I saw it at the wake for instance, right? You know, all these people who come to, because they know my dad in various ways. So it was, it I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say cathartic. It's not like I cried through the movie or whatever. But I I was... I kind of wanted to see it because of that. It added an element to it. Uh, I really enjoyed the characters. Ray and Raymond were both interesting characters in their own right. Uh, They go through interesting journeys. And, you know, the... not, Not necessarily you know, ending up both of them ending up in the right place or a great place at the end, but not terrible, you know? Right.
1: It's it's not one of those movies where like they have come to Jesus moments and like suddenly their lives turn around and are going to be better f- for it. Yeah. But it was it was a sort of um but it was a good story.
0: Yes. It was.
1: There were times there were a few moments where it felt like a play. The dialogue had sometimes some of the the scenes, especially when it was just Ray and Raymond together, uh-huh. it there were moments where I felt like I was watching a play that had been filmed, with the particular rhythms or something about it that, and it reminded me that both Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke are people who have you know done work on stage as well as on film, right. and there was a quality about it that made made me even wonder if maybe that had originally been a, a stage play a stage play i don't think it was it, the the screenplay was written by the director so i don't think he wrote it as a stage play and then turned it into a film
0: yeah
1: but it had something of that quality to it
0: well i think the fact that they were limited uh, sets limited locations helped with that feeling
1: right but it was also just something a quality of the dialogue itself the 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 words and the way they spoke them there, there's a certain measured quality to it. I it kind of, it's hard to put my finger on, Yeah. but sometimes there's something different in the delivery of a stage play versus, versus a movie.
0: There's, well, there's a quality to the dialogue that's much more conversational, I think in stage plays often than in movies or TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was the case here. It was the, Quality of the dialogue was much more casual. So that's how I kind of felt it. Uh, but a good, good movie, recommended, Apple TV Plus. Ah, things we watch every time we watch it on Apple TV Plus, you know, it's always been good. They really have, they keep a high standard. I haven't watched everything on Apple TV, so I'm sure there's things I wouldn't like, but the things that I have said, oh, I might like that, we have. Uh, we're, one of the things we're going to watch next on, this, on Apple TV is. Um, the greatest beer run ever. That looks good. That does look good. Yeah. Which had a Vatican screening, which I'm dying to find out why. Like, what is it about this movie? It's a, it takes place at uh, Vietnam
1: based on a true story,
0: based on a true story. Uh, but that's for another time. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, the last thing we're to talk about in this uh, segment is we watched today with the kids, the new star Wars tales of the Jedi, which is a new animated series of short, 15 to 20 minute uh, pieces, Uh, three about the Jedi, Ahsoka Tano, and three about the Jedi turned Sith, Count Dooku, filling in, I think, gaps in the stories of what we know of them.
1: Right. Stuff that fit in kind of between Rebels and Clone Wars. In the movies. In the movies. Yeah. Um, I liked them a lot. The kids loved them.
0: Yeah, I think that Maybe Ahsoka <laughs> is the cutest thing ever. Oh gosh, <laughs> next to Grogu. Um,
1: yeah. I think that if you haven't watched Rebels and Clone Wars, and if you're not like a sort of deeper fan, they might
0: it might go over your head. It
1: might uh, yeah, because they're they're really sort of the characters from the animated films.
0: Right, you do see Qui Gon Jinn as Dooku's apprentice at one point. Right. You see the point at which Duku moves fully over to the dark side and becomes a Sith apprentice. Wait, this really
1: showed Duku's journey from yeah. from Jedi master to Sith apprentice, and I liked that story. It also filled in a lot of Ahsoka's um,
0: her her journey from <sighs> from when they first discovered she had force powers to when she later on decided to get back into the fight after the empire was in control.
1: Right. When she, when she decides to join the rebellion.
0: So yeah, it was, um, it was really good. It was really good. I I, I want to watch them again. Cause it, it all kind of goes by fast. And like I said, it's six episodes, 15, 20 minutes each. It's like an hour and a half, it doesn't right. take that long. So really good. If you're, if you're a Star Wars fan, the deeper, the deeper level, a little bit deeper level. You'll enjoy it. And that's on Disney+. Plus. So let's talk about the homily this week. So the, the readings, as a, just as a reminder, thirty first Sunday in Ordinary Time, was the gospel was about Zacchaeus, the tax man.
1: The Which chief. is one of my favorite stories as a kid.
0: Uh, the chief tax collector in Jericho, who was short and wanted to see Jesus, so he had to climb a tree. Yep. I can identify with this man.
1: <laughs> so, I really liked Father Emmanuel's unpacking of this story. Yes. Uh, but he started off with telling a personal uh a personal story from when he was in seminary in Nigeria. Right. Uh, he said when he was in seminary in Nigeria, they spent part of the time being sent to parishes just like seminarians are here, but he was sent to a rural village. Um where the people are very in in rural Nigeria, in the villages, people are very, very poor.
0: Mm.
1: And it said he said that the families took turns providing one meal a day. Yes. And so that was all he was getting was one meal a day. He was
0: not used to one meal a day.
1: And he said he was very hungry. And then uh, this elderly woman came and she said that she wanted to, to bring him some food.
0: And she would start bringing him food every day.
1: And he said it was really some of the best food he'd ever eaten. It was really, really good. And so he was starting to look forward to her coming. And then the elders of the village came and they...
0: They told him he should not eat the food.
1: He should not eat the food from this woman because she had been a sinner in the past. She had gone to the city and she'd been engaged in prostitution. And therefore, this woman should not give you food. And he said... He said, here he is. This is the best food he's ever eaten. And he's, he's very so hungry.
0: hungry. <laughs> and food is so good.
1: And and he says to them, let her be. I don't know it personally. This is stuff from her past. It's not from the present. It's not really any of my business. He didn't explicitly draw the connection, but like, I'm thinking as I'm listening to this, well, Jesus would have taken the food from her.
0: Right. She was trying to do a good thing.
1: Right, in fact, fi- perhaps she was in yeah, fact motivated. Yeah, motivated by her her sinful past. Certainly, she was doing a good deed of you know, one of the works, corporal works of mercy, of feeding the the,
0: <laughs> the hungry. hungry. The hungry seminarian. Uh, you know, one of the things I liked about this is the apparently in Nigeria they call seminarians small father, small f- little father, little father, or small father. Yes, I thought that was very funny, very cute. I like that. I like that small father. Um, but he said like his
1: role in the village was to be sort of a catechist and lead prayer services because these are places don't don 't get a priest.
0: priest yeah the priest would come on a circuit uh, and so he was helping to catechize and you know do service services what do they call a uh, communion service so, yep. so then he talked about the gospel itself and he pointed out that the name Zacchaeus is a word that means pure. Which is ironic, given that he's the chief tax collector.
1: Right. He also filled in some background. He said that Jesus is entering Jericho and at the gates of Jericho, he had cured a blind man at the entrance to the city um, who had begged to see him. And so he said that in a way we can we can see this story as being about seeing Christ and Christ seeing us, which I thought was a really nice reframing the story from what's left out uh, or what's not included rather in the lectionary and that Jesus also wants to,
0: Zacchaeus also wants to see see Jesus. Now the gospel points out that he is short in stature and father says, it's not just pointing out that he's physically small, but he, in in the eyes of the other Jews, He's insignificant. He's he's small in their eyes because he's he's a collaborator with the Romans. We talked about this last week. You know, the collaborator with the Romans. He steals from his people. That's just the job of a tax collector. Would, was to partially to steal from the people. Um, he's a he's a bad person. So we're talking about
1: moral stature as well as physical stature. When, when we say right. he's small in stature, it's it explains. The detail of why he needs to climb up the tree, but it also explains how he's perceived by the people around him.
0: Right. And he's been ostracized and isolated in society. He's basically what we would say is canceled. (laughs) He's been canceled by society. Um and so we hear that then, you know, Zacchaeus has climbed a tree to see Jesus. And when he reaches the tree, Jesus looks up and speaks to Zacchaeus. And Father said, That's significant because Jesus raises his eyes to Zacchaeus because Jesus has placed Himself in the servant position below. Zacchaeus. Right, he has come to serve us. He has come to, to you know, like later on, he'll tell the apostles to wash the feet of each other.
1: Right, this is Jesus' basic stance before humanity: is He's come to serve, not to be served.
0: Yes, and Jesus says, "I today I must stay at your house, not." Uh, you know is it convenient for me to come by um I might want to swing by later no no I must stay at your house there's there's an inner need father said there's a need for Jesus to be there
1: because he sees him with with love
0: right and and so Zacchaeus receives Jesus with joy he climbs down and receives Jesus with joy he welcomes Jesus in into his heart and into
1: his home. Another detail that father pointed out that really struck me is that Zacchaeus' name, the name means pure or righteous. Right. And that what Jesus calls him by name, he doesn't, like everybody else refers to him as the tax collector, but Jesus calls him by name, righteous one, pure one. And Jesus sees, seeing him with the eyes of love, sees him as pure, just as, God that's that's what Jesus' mission is, is to see us as we should be, as we can be, when we repent of our sins, we will be pure in his eyes. Right.
0: And Zacchaeus had to invite salvation into his home, to welcome salvation in, and only then could he receive the joy that he was seeking. And he was welcomed. In. He didn't repent first, he didn't throw himself down at, his, at Jesus' feet. Jesus said I, have, I must stay at your house. And he said, welcome. Later is when Zacchaeus, at, you know, after this, I mean, at this point, but, like, he welcomes him first, then he repents. He offers to do penance, to give away half of his possessions to the poor. Um, and so he's welcomed into the kingdom not because he's already good. He was made good because he was welcomed into the kingdom. You know what I mean? That's the thing is, is we... We don't have to be perfected before we are where Jesus embraces us. Right. We're perfected when Jesus embraces
1: us. Right. Jesus reaches out to us in love, not as our judge, but as the one who wants to save us, who the one who wants to serve us. Right. The one who wants to love us, the one who wants us to welcome him, he's extending salvation offering it to us before we repent. Like that is already on the table for us. He's giving it to us. Our repentance is our accepting what he's already given us.
0: Yes. It's not payment. Like, like Mm -hmm. salvation is not payment for our repentance. Salvation is already on offer.
1: Right. Repentance is our response to the salvation, which God has already
0: given us. It is the appropriate response yeah I mean and you know that it is here's salvation. are you going to take it? Now, we can reject it by refusing to repent, but but if we repent, that is our acceptance. like it's not a you still have to repent, but the repentance is the acceptance. is that welcoming in they're part they're two parts of the same thing. Trying to think of if there's a better way to say it, but I think that's clear, clear to say it. Um, but you know, Jesus, and in Jesus' ends, you know, salvation today, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. This is Jesus' mission. Like people grumble, oh, you know, you're hanging out with a sinner. This is the mission, and that's what Father could, you know, when he was a seminarian, he might not have had the wherewithal, the quick wit to say it at the time, but this is what he could have said to the village elders is I am here not to just hang out with you righteous people, but to come and save the lost. She needs me too. She may need me more. Um, and she's got yummy food <laughs> and she's got yummy food. <laughs> I'm hungry. So you're not giving me all that food. She is. So, um, yeah. Get another good homily. You know, we are so, I was thinking of this. We're so fortunate in the priests we have that the, the four there's a rotation of four maybe five or six priests that come through mm-hmm. the, par- the priests who serve the parish and then the priests who come from the uh, Holy cross fathers father Willie father um, the Indian priest
1: uh, father Pinto,
0: father Pinto, and then there's the other American priest. Um, He's the one who's been there the longest, Father Grebel. Yes, Father Grebel, and um, um, and then Father Emmanuel. Yeah. Father Father. Is Mack, Father Is
1: Father Emmanuel one of the one of the Holy Cross priests? I don't
0: think so. I think he's I think he's one of the parish priests. No, no he's Nigerian. The Nigerian. The parish priests are the for yeah, and Haitian.
1: Yeah, F- Father Garcia and Father um, I can't remember. He might be
0: actually at BC at Boston College.
1: He might be. He might be a Jesuit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, in any case, um, we have a a plethora of good priests, good homilists, and we are very blessed by them. As you, I'm sure, are well aware, if you've been listening to the podcast, we talk about them all the time. So uh, it's been really awesome. All right. Shall we wrap things up? Let's. Let us take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create, raising the bets, including KDK, Andrew W., Simon M., Sean D., and Ronald P., Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue raising the bets and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And that's it for this time. Find links from our discussion in our show notes at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. Send your feedback at the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuestMedia. Send us an email at bets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Remember to like Raising the Bets on the StarQuest Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. Retweet us on Twitter, at SQPN, and leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to interact with you. Until next time, I'm Don Bethanelli. And I'm Melanie Bethanelli. Thank you for listening to Raising the Bets on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology.